turning and copying somebody else's privacy policy and kind of editing and make sure it looks good. Like, I get it. Bootstrapping is the way to go. But you're going to have an accountant or a CPA on your team, and it's their responsibility to know how to reduce your tax liability by taking advantage of the tax code as it pertains to this year. And so there are a lot of new tax law changes for businesses. I'll send this to whoever wants it. You can look into them. I'm not going to go through them, but I just want to show you, like, these are things that change all the time. So it can help um, reduce your tax bill. Even there are things like a tax credit that's dollar for dollar compared to a deduction. So just a, if you have a business expense, it's a deduction. It reduces the amount of your taxable income. Okay, but if you have a credit, it's dollar for dollar. Okay, so if you have a $2,000 tax credit that you're eligible for, that's maybe $2,000 less that you're gonna pay in taxes. Or if you're already getting a refund, $2,000 on top of the refund that you're already receiving. I mean, what would you have to do to go make an extra $2,000? Why don't you just try to keep the money that you've already made? You'll hear me say that again. So you now, you need to focus on keeping the money you make, guys. Your competition has a business plan just like you. Does your competition have a tax plan? I'm assuming that most of you don't, only because, you know, startups, not the focus. So I'm going to give you this, this crash course on how the different structures are taxed. Most of you are probably phasing out of a sole proprietorship or a DBA doing business as from your personal name. So sole proprietorships, from a tax perspective, it's the absolute worst. The Schedule C is the tax one that goes on. Um, it's, it's lethal. You have your state income tax that that applies, thankfully we don't have it here in Florida. But on top of that, you have federal income tax, and then you have self-employment tax. That's 15.3%. So if you have an average of 25 or 28% in taxes that you're paying, and then on top of that, you've got 15.3% in SE tax, you could be looking at 40% in tax, keeping 60% of your money. So when the IRS or your accountant tells you you owe that much, and you're like, no, that's impossible. And he's like, no, that's the way it's gonna work. You'll go and set up an entity the following year. That's normally how it works. And so typically the reason somebody doesn't go set up an entity at this stage is because, oh, it's just, it costs a few hundred bucks. I could just do a sole proprietorship, it's cheaper. Don't trip over pennies to get to dollars, guys, okay? Don't trip over pennies to get to dollars, especially when we're talking about the legal and financial implications of your business. The LLC, that's the hybrid entity. It's sort of like a cross between a sole profit and a corporation. The LLC can actually prepare its annual tax return on four different sets of paperwork. There's four different tax forms you could fill out. Do you guys, did anybody ever read the, the book series when they were a kid, Choose Your Own Adventure? Okay, cool, me too. So with this book series, you know, you, you'd read uh, you know, the first th three pages and then at the bottom of that page it says, if you want the main character to do this, turn to page seven. If you want the main character to do that, turn to page 53. And 
the story always ends, but the story's been very, very, very different. Sometimes he wins, he gets the princess, sometimes he dies, right? You'll always finish your taxes for the LLC, but you're gonna have a different outcome every time. Which one do you want? Well, it's gonna protect you and have you keep you, right? You don't choose which of the four tax forms you want to prepare your taxes on at the end of the year when it's time to file. Rather, you choose in the beginning of the year or right when you set up your LLC. You have 75 days uh, to make an entity classification election. And if you do this and you're approved, you'll reduce your self-employment taxes by about half. Just some basic math to illustrate a point. Let's just say you had Hundred thousand dollars in the loose numbers, guys. If you had hundred thousand dollars that you made in self-employment taxes, fifteen point three percent, fifty thousand, cut it in half, divide by two. We're talking about that savings for that year. How much did it cost to set up your entity? A couple hundred bucks. How much did it cost to hire a good accountant? A couple thousand to do bookkeeping as well. Okay, great. You're still five grand or four grand to ask. See what I'm saying? Oh, you got peace of mind, right? I would say that's priceless, so. The S corporation, the profit or loss is gonna pass on over to your personal tax return. Okay, and you're gonna need to, to pay yourself properly through that S corporation, I'll get into that in just a moment. C corporation, you hear about double taxation. So uh, all that means is you're taxing the corporation's profit uh, at corporate tax rates and the money the corporation pays you, you're taxed at individual tax rates. Nonprofit, any nonprofits? Hey, nonprofit, you don't pay taxes. Uh, but you're a corporation, it's a nonprofit corporation. So you have, you're running it like a corporation, there's a lot of paperwork, you still have to file, but the profits are just reinvested back into the, the cause or the mission. So paying yourself, this diagram is perfect to illustrate that you're right here, and the money that your customer is giving you is over here. You don't take that money and just put it into your personal account so you can pay your rent or your mortgage or buy groceries, right? So how do you get the money out of your business to you? How you get the money out of your business is going to be one of the determining factors of at what rate that's taxed. So there's different ways you can take the money out to pay yourself. You can pay it in distributions, which is like a dividend, if you will, on a stock. You can pay it in dividends. Uh, bonuses, salaries, draws, lots of different ways, right? You do it in a way that's legal, that allows you to keep the majority of it. So with a sole prop, it actually is pretty easy. The money is yours because there is no corporation, there's no business. Um, I'll get into co-mingling, which is mixing business and personal accounts here in a few minutes, which is definitely trying to pause. With the LLC, which is probably many of you. Um, the LLC, you, you don't know how to answer this because it depends on how you elect to tax the LLC. Remember, there's four different ways. So each of those ways could have a slightly different way to take the money out. But recognize that if you make that entity classification election, you can then take the majority of the money out in distributions, and those distributions are not subject to self-employment tax. So that's like the big aha. And if you didn't catch it, I mean, I'll slow it down for you. Check this out. Your distributions don't have self-employment tax. So let's go back to that 100,000 that we made. 
So we have 100,000, let's say we pay 50,000 to you in distributions. How much in self-employment tax can we pay? Zero. No self-employment tax on distributions. See what I'm saying? So now we've got immediately half savings again. All right? So again, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. The S-Corp, you do take out salary and distribution. It's uh, just like that with the LLC. And with the C-Corp, you have distributions or dividends as well as salary, and you're gonna need this fair and reasonable salary to pay yourself for taxes or withheld. Just like many of you probably had a job um, from an employer, W-2, where they withheld taxes out of your check. Your company does that for you, even if it's just you, right? Might not be for right now, would be my guess, because Many of you are, are pre-revenant, in which case you don't have to worry about this stuff now. You should be thinking about it for, for what's to come later. <clears throat> but let's talk about what's more likely for the first couple years, few years, and that's when you have a loss. Okay, your expenses exceed your income. So here we just said it's simple. We've got $10,000 loss, right? <clears throat> so if we have a sole prop, or an LLC or an S-Corp. These are pass-through structures, so the loss passes through to your personal tax return. So if we had, let's just say we had this $10,000 uh, loss for this year. And let's say on our personal tax return, it shows we earn $50,000 W-2 income working as a whatever job, right? So if it's $10,000 loss, it's now connected to the personal return because it passes through 50 on the personal return minus 10 for the business. Now we're taxed at 40. Make sense? Cool. Your employer was withholding taxes as if you should be taxed on 50. So now you've overpaid your taxes and you get a larger refund. Okay. So the idea is to take a lot of the expenses that you've been, you know, quite frankly, incurring your entire adult lives, and now you look at the possibility of deducting those business expenses. C corporations, those losses don't pass through to your personal return. Those losses carry forward to the next year. Okay, and then next year we look at it to see if you have made income, and if you've made income, you use the expenses from that year, and then you can carry forward those expenses from the previous year, and use those to bring your taxable income down as far as an election. But first year losses are normal, right? In doing so, you need to look like a real business because if you're not gonna be paying taxes, that means you're probably getting tax benefits, right? More money back, just different incentives. So it's a good idea to look like a real business. Okay, and how can you look like a real business? Well, definitely incorporating makes you look like a real business, I think. Um, you get a business phone number. That makes you look like a real business. You get a business address, business email address, business website, some of those things, not a website, but address, phone number, stuff like that, that goes on your tax returns, right? You wanna have your personal phone number on your business tax returns? You're trying to show that you're separate, your business is separate from you, right? You don't want somebody to give you the opportunity to pierce the corporate veil, as they say, from a litigation perspective, not tax, but it is connected. So also, um, lots of times when you start a business in life, 
Um, you, you might start it because you got laid off. You might have unemployment income. Maybe you take uh, a severance and your income's a little bit higher one year. You know, all of these different variables could cause more complexity. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Complexity breeds opportunity, right? So if you don't have a business and you just work for somebody else, I would like, give me a day and I could train my 10 year old how to do your taxes, seriously. Give me an hour, I could train you. But you start adding in businesses, business tax forms, it does add that complexity, but now we can do things that maybe you didn't do when you didn't have a business. So I'm gonna go over just a few commonly uh, asked about deductions. Or this. So home office deduction for business use of home. You could have the opportunity to write off a portion of those bills associated with your home. So your electric bill, your rent, if you rent a portion of it. Uh, you're not writing off your, your mortgage if you own your home. You're already writing off your interest on the mortgage, hopefully. I want to tell you, in the, presumably an old wives' tale, um, if you get audited for the home office deduction, they will come to your home. That's guaranteed. So the story goes like this. A uh, guy was getting audited for the home office deduction. Auditor comes into uh, his home, looks at the office. He's taking measurements. You know, everything's looking great, except for the fact that the guy had a pair of skis behind his table, behind his desk. So he was using the space for personal storage, in which case the home office deduction was then disallowed. I heard that like, a long time ago. Probably not true, but it makes a great point. It has to be exclusive use of home. Now, if he would have moved those skis, um, probably wouldn't have gotten in hot water. But the point is it gets disallowed. But just don't automatically think, oh, home office deduction, I want to take that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you own your home, there's a recapture tax. You have to come back and pay uh, the year that you sell your home. So you basically have to pay the home office deduction back. But your CPA may or may not tell you that because that's not on the radar this year. You bought the house two years ago. You have to know the benefits and the potential consequences. It's really important. All right, business meals and entertainment. This is always, uh, I think, a favorite for, well, I mean, it was a favorite of mine when I was in my mid-20s. Put it on the business card. Um, but yeah, you can write off a portion of your meals and entertainment, as long as it's ordinary and necessary and directly related to or associated with business activity. Okay, so it's only a 50% deduction. You're not writing off the whole $100 dinner, only $50. Okay, in certain industries, um, not that the IRS necessarily disallows things, but certain industries, they have restrictions on uh, from an ethical perspective of the amount that you can spend on business meals or entertainment. The vehicle deduction, this is a, another one that's nice, especially for first-time business owners. So the IRS gives us the ability to deduct either 
business miles or a portion of actual expenses. Okay, you can't do both. It's one or the other. And once you pick the method, you stick with it for a few years. Uh, but things like your gas, your tolls, repairs, etc., you can write up a percentage of that. And what about putting your vehicle into your company, getting your company car? It's a question that I get sometimes. Maybe you know, talk to your accountant about it. If you didn't have a company, it's not possible. Um, if you've got a courier service, I'd say it's you know maybe likely that they would recommend that. If you're selling 3D printing printers with drop shipping perspective from your home, I mean I don't know if that is really a good argument. Okay? But if you do, you can write up the purchase price of the vehicle. And sometimes that's really, really nice to do. They actually uh, had something, well, they do still have it. It's section 179 of the tax code, which allows uh, a very, very high amount that you can deduct. Does anybody know the amount of section 179 for this year? It's like a million four hundred fifty thousand. Is it really? Wow. So, Section 179 allows you to write off the purchase price of things immediately rather than having to you know, spread it out and uh, on the depreciation schedule where you only write off the purchase depreciation. So um, look into Section 179. You don't just spend the money on a business expense. It's a large expense. You talk to your accountants and you figure out when you're going to spend it and then where are we going to end up categorizing? Are we going to put it in Section 179 or are we going to put it someplace else? All right, tax strategies of the wealthy. And all this means is that there's probably some of these strategies being used by people who have money. You don't have to have money to, to implement it. So maybe you have to have a couple of But um, self-insured medical reimbursement. So medical insurance in the U.S., we can only deduct it, I believe it's, if it's higher than, for medical costs are higher than 10% of our ADI, our adjusted gross income. So most people don't qualify for right after medical costs year after year. If you get sick, you get injured, you have a bad year, you may be able to write off those medical expenses occasionally. But our tax code is not set up for that. However, you may be able to draft a self-insured medical reimbursement plan in the bylaws of your corporation that states, in more words, any out-of-pocket medical expenses that you incur, the owners incur, their families, you work it however you want. It's your bylaws, right? Any of those expenses are reimbursed to you through the corporation, and then the corporation counts those reimbursements as deductions. So it's a way to circumvent that 10% of your AGI rule. It's the way that entrepreneurs are able to write off their prescriptions, their premiums, their co-pays, their vision, their dental, their band-aids, their Tylenol, etc. But you can only do this if you have C Corp. Okay? C Corps are the only ones that um, are allowed to Income shifting, uh, also referred to as income splitting. This is pretty cool. Um, I was exposed to this when I was in middle school, where my father uh, was selling boats, and I was, I was teaching me how to be an entrepreneur. And so 
I would sit at the dining room table and roll up these flyers, put rubber bands on, put them in public bags, and we'd wake up at whatever o'clock in the morning, it's still dark outside, and we'd go to the rich people's neighborhoods on the water, and we'd throw these flyers with the boats, there's this brand new boat that just came out. And my dad had the whole state of Florida as his territory. And um, my dad paid. But I never got an allowance growing up. I got a paycheck. I don't remember what he paid me, how much, but let's just say it was five grand throughout the year for helping, right? His company. There's five grand that didn't show up on his personal tax return or his business tax return, right? He paid me. So now it's on my tax return. Well, what else is on my tax return? Nothing. So because of my age and the low dollar amount that I was paid, I didn't have to pay any taxes on that. So if my dad was taxed that year at say 20%, he saved a thousand bucks, I pay. See what I'm saying? Two years later, my sister started helping. Um, income shifting. You do that. Shift your income to other social security numbers or other tax IDs. That's your business is social, more or less. Your EIN, most of them probably are Making a mess, multiple entity structuring strategies. So creating a mess. That's when we have multiple entities, LLCs, S Corps, C Corps, whatever, structured together in a way where they're working together from an asset protection or tax strategy, tax reduction standpoint. Okay? You see it very, very common in real estate. Does anybody here have a multiple entity structure for their startup? So I wouldn't be surprised if some of you have a multiple entity structure within the next year. Um, sometimes our intellectual property gets put into just a, a holding company that holds our intellectual, you know, that holds that intellectual property and it leases it out to our operating company. That way if our operating company gets sued, we've protected our intellectual property, right? Um, but you can also have them work together uh, from a financial perspective. And one example is this jet right here. It's not this jet, but I used to have a client who had an air ambulance. So it was a jet that flew sick people around to different hospitals. And this small company, I mean, it, it was the company was probably that size. Um, the guy who owned the company also was the pilot, and his company did not own a jet that had the contracts with the hospitals. His company leased the jet from an LLC, and all that LLC had was the jet. He owned the LLC. So if something were to ever happen to his operating company, which is a C-Corp, then they're not going after the jet, doesn't own the jet, at least the jet. So retirement plans, there are things you can do there from tax reduction perspective too. So traditional IRAs, of course I lean towards it rather than like a Roth. You have SEPs, simplified employee pensions with really high contribution limits. You know, the, the goal is go make all that money and then figure out how to get it to you where you can defer, reduce, delay, or defer paying your taxes. And then gifting, the only comment I'll say there is you know, when you die, you, know, you need to have a, a set of instructions that's gonna 
say who owns the business, right? Whoever, you, whoever you're gifting the business to, um, well, whoever owns the business controls the assets of the business, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, go through life owning nothing but controlling everything? So have your, all that means is have your business or businesses own assets rather than be personal. All right, so this is a question of nexus. Where are you conducting business? So business, I mean, these days, if you have a, um, you know, cake pop bakery here in Tampa, I mean, you can very easily be shipping around the world or, you know, going up to this event or that event in another state. Don't assume that just because taxes are the way they are in your state, that that's how it is everywhere that you go. And because you've registered your company, you're, you're good to go forever and always, okay? So just be mindful that you know, you're working off of some sort of a business plan, whether it be on paper or in your head or what have you. If you can plan and communicate with your tax professional, that's gonna help you know what you're supposed to do before you're supposed to do it because they will find out that you conducted business in their state, right? And then you'll still have to do what you were supposed to do and have a penalty on top of it. All right, business bookkeeping. No doubt the least sexy task of right here. I mean, let's be real. I mean, sorry accountants, future CPAs. Just hear most for me for a minute. I know as an entrepreneur, if you're trying to go, you know, solve that problem that you, you're trying to solve, like that's what you want to do. A business is just a side effect of somebody's passion, product, hobby, skill, service, whatever, right? So, you know, you might be starting a business because, you know, you're trying to provide sustainable products to, you know, whatever market in whatever, and you're, you've got transactions. And, You've got bookkeeping to do. Now here's the thing, when you wrote your business plan, most of you did your finances last because you were intimidated by it and you didn't know how to do it. And um, some of you probably still are iffy about it. That's okay, you just need to keep working on it. Finance for business is never really done. It's always changing, and always moving. But let's be real, data drives the decisions, right? So, if you're not making data-driven decisions, you're probably be out of business pretty soon. Meaning you're making business based off emotion. So, what if, with the push of a button, you could look at a profit loss statement or any other financial report? Wouldn't that be nice to know where your business is at any given point? So most, not most, well, yeah, I'll say most startups will put off their bookkeeping the first year until the end of the year. Studies have been done on that, and you will have spent more money than you are claiming to have spent, which means you're leaving deductions on the table. Guys, get your bookkeeping done, or better yet, have somebody do it for you, right? So we're not experts, you know, on we, we outsource. But you get to choose who does it or how you do it. So there's a couple systems out there. There's all sorts, like full service, 
you yourself. I will say, like, once you get things configured and set up, it's really easy to maintain. <clears throat> I pay my CPA 2400 bucks per year. They handle a few corporate tax returns, making sure that I'm properly paying myself, and then the annual returns and additional reports. He does a bookkeeping for my consulting business. So, so that's not like all, it's more than the $325 you pay to Charles right? But consider having them do bookkeeping too, because then it becomes full service, more or less. Right? And you get to concentrate on the stuff you know and probably enjoy. Okay, using business bank accounts. You've got to get a business bank account set up. And you're going to set it up under your tax ID number or your EIN, employee identification number. And so, in doing so, you have your business account being used for business expenses and business income. Personal accounts, do whatever you want. It's personal, not business, right? But don't be doing the two together. In the beginning, I know you did the two together because there's nothing else you can do. But separate it. You know, you're spending, I know you spent $5 on Fiverr last week, or you have a constant contact $20 subscription per month. Go put money in a business account and get it set up. You're gonna create an accounting nightmare for yourself come January or February, whenever you start doing all your booking, right? So the types of accounts to set up, uh, definitely a checking account, don't want to look into a savings account. Uh, but place to put your tax dollars so you don't spend them. I think that might be smart. Um, business credit as well. So I recommend that for startups because what? Banks are talking to you, most of you, in the first couple years, pre-revenue, traditionally speaking. So you want to end up getting favorable terms with your manufacturer, right? Whoever's making your, your widgets. Well, they're gonna look you up on Duns and Bradstreet, which is like the Global Business Credit Reporting Agency, DMV, and they're not gonna see that you have business credit. But if you establish your business credit, you might get more favorable terms. So imagine if you don't have a relationship with your manufacturer, and they say, okay, yeah, you want that? It's gonna be $10,000, and you just need to pay it up front, and then you'll get it two months later, it'll be in, in hand. Okay, cool. But wouldn't it be nice if you could say, hey, I wanna place this order for $10,000, and you have 90 days to pay, to two months later, you get it in hand, 30 days to sell it, profit, and then pay your bill. Wouldn't that be a little bit easier on you? So you do that by establishing business credit. It's just something that I know most startups that I've worked with when they're in college, they're not focusing on that. Um, and maybe you shouldn't focus on it until you've really honed in on your, you know, your segment and you really know you're onto something, right? But if you've gone the, the steps of incorporating, then that would, you know, credit would be the next step. You're not going to establish credit under your social security number, it's going to be under your tax rate. All right, here's the fun stuff. If you want to go to jail, <laughs> I was going to try to find, you guys know Wesley Snipes is? You heard of him? The actor? Yeah. He was in jail for, in prison, 
years uh, for the tax savings. Um, <clears throat> under or over payment of taxes. What? Yeah, they're going to penalize you if you overpay your taxes. Isn't that crazy? You gave me too much. So you have a window. Late filings, that's pretty self-explanatory, but if you're late, you're penalized. Somebody help our newer S-Corp owners out and tell them, who can tell me when is an S-Corp's annual tax return due to the federal government? Who's got an S-Corp? Show of hands. C-Corp. C-Corp. Who doesn't have an entity yet? Raise your hand. Any of you? LLCs. Show me the LLCs. Okay, cool. So, with the LLC, let's recognize many of you will elect to be taxed as a corporation. And when you do, your taxes are due when corporate taxes are due. March 15th. Personal, write that down if you didn't know that. March 15th is when business taxes are due. The only business taxes that are due on April 15th are sole proprietors. Okay? Inaccurate filings, if you mess something up, um, they reject it. There's a 100% penalty on withholding taxes. That's pretty substantial. Um, fancy term for not keeping records. So keep your stuff for seven years. Don't throw anything away. And the most common, from my experience, is failing to pay estimated taxes. Okay, estimated quarterly. Okay. And so, what it says in the tax code is, more or less, if you're projected to owe at least $1,000 in any given year, you're generally required to file and pay, pay those taxes on a quarterly basis. Okay, so if you're projected to owe at least $1,000 in a year, so by show of hands, who wants to pay the IRS at least $1,000 over the next year? Raise them high, be proud, guys. So if you're not raising your hand, that means you're not making question so if you're paying the IRS at least a thousand dollars you're making money right if you're not paying the IRS a thousand dollars in taxes you're probably not really paying so <clears throat> the point is quarterly taxes is just a part of life when you have a business embrace it okay learn it and um, and it becomes not that intimidating okay you just have to go through the tax cycle tax year once all right so what are your next steps? That's it. If you want to take a picture, these are the things that I would work on knowing uh, the stage that I'm assuming that many of you are at right now. If you have an LLC, you need to figure out how to tax it because you only have 75 days after the LLC was formed. You'll have the ability to reelect for the next year between January 1st and March 15th. Okay, however, don't go elect, make that election on your own because you think you know what you're doing. I would bet 80% chance you're gonna mess it up. That's 80% of people who mess it up. Um, if you're making money and you need to pay your bills, and you're not doing it right, you need to figure out how to take money out of your, uh, of your business and pay yourself. Put assets into your company too, right? You want to start to show that the business is worth something. I'm hopeful many of you are working with mentors or coaches that are you know, kind of guiding you through all of this. 
Uh, get your business account set up, credit especially if you haven't started doing that. Your bookkeeping system, know your filing date, and then, oh, you know what, I want to touch on this, it's really important to do that, is this one right here. Figure out how to deduct and pay back your startup costs. Okay, so presumably you put money into the business, your own personal one, right? Once the business starts making money, you want the business to pay you all that money back. Okay, so let's say you, all the expenses added up to five grand that you put into the business. Okay, we get paid that money back if you draft a loan agreement between your company and you, where it says, hey, you get that money to five grand back. Sorry. Okay, so in doing so, imagine if your company just paid $5,000 not as repayment of a loan, that's gonna be what, income from your company? And you will pay taxes on that money. Make sense? So on your startup costs, you then have paid back on a loan agreement, and those interest rates you will pick up, um, and those are set based on the term. It's an up to one year repayment, up to four, or greater than four year repayment. Okay. That's it, guys. So if you would like...